Gaslighting is when someone is manipulated by psychological means. Through the use of misdirection, denial, lying, a person or person's beliefs are slowly destabilized and eroded, usually for some nefarious reason. It's a term that's come up in the zeitgeist recently, and Brick Moon Fiction wanted to set our writers loose on exploring the contemporary or future possibilities of gaslighting. Here, then, is the first of four podcasts for the month of April exploring the theme of gaslighting. Brick Moon Fiction presents Kids by Sam French Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle See, we didn't mean to do any harm, to her or anything. We're just kids. We were just being kids. Which is a defense I've been told, only I don't mean it that way. I only mean it to be the truth. Things can get pretty boring in the summer, and when we saw her walking down the hall that day, barely keeping it together, her tab fucking going crazy, asking us which way was up, we just sort of activated. Like I said, it had been a gruelingly slow summer. Danny went away for three sessions to camp, and it just felt endless. Sticky hot days where we were all left alone in the building and had to crash, wall to wall, over and over, in an attempt to stay entertained. Ma said to learn a language on an app on my tab, but let's just be real, okay? So me and Mickey and little June, we'd just sort of sit in the halls, talking shit, messing around on our tabs, flirting with anyone who went by, spying on folks. I had watched some movie in the hist lab called Rear Window, and I romantically sort of fancied myself as like that dude in the wheelchair, but just monitoring people as they walked down the halls and up down the stairs to their pods, rather than through windows. Some people came frequently, some people came less frequently. With some it was like always in a rush, zoom, no eyes for the kids slumped against the hallway walls. Others would talk to us now and then, if they were as bored as us, and I learned a bit about where everyone was from. That dude Gregerson in 44X, he had only moved in a few weeks earlier, and had a sort of youngish vibe to him. Lil June said he was almost cute, and he would occasionally stop by on his lunch break to shoot the shit. He used an app to make a hologram of something he called a tennis ball, and showed us how we could simulate it bouncing up and down around the halls. We loved playing with that thing, using our tabs to make it go ballistic off the walls over and over. Virtually very fun. That fun lasted like three days or so. Then we were bored again. Then we saw her. She stumbled in. At first we thought she was drunk. Lil June made eyes at me to be like, might as well be your ma, because sometimes my ma was drunk too. I whistled sharply at her to be like, shut up or I'll bust your teeth open. Kid smack stuff, right? But she wasn't drunk. She was just old. Like, really old. Like, I didn't know anyone could be this old because my grands, who were like the oldest people I knew, weren't even that old. Not by a long shot. She was stumbling down the halls, her left hand every now and then touching on the surface of the left wall to stabilize her, to tip her back toward center. Tip left, tip center. Tip left, tip center. And the entire time her tab is fucking going crazy, ringing, like who keeps their tab on like that anyway, over and over, super loud, some super annoying tone, every once in a while interrupted by some nasally vocal alert. Her breathing was super quick, panicked sounding. She reached us, sort of squatted for a second, caught her breath. She asked us which way was up. Several times until we said it clearly enough. She mumbled something that sounded like an apology, but who freaking knows. All the while her tab going ballistic. She nodded and walked in the way that Mickey pointed, which to be clear was the correct way. We hadn't realized the potential for trolling this batshit woman yet. What an ancient hag, Lil June texted me. 
When she reached the end of the hall, she saw our hologram tennis ball and said, I remember you, and then actually leaned down to pick it up. Mickey gasped, like she was surprised when her fingers ripped through it like smoke. Mickey swears he has never seen someone so unaware of, like, the real world, or I guess the fake one, literally and virtually nuts. She turned the corner and walked up the stairs. We rippled the hologram of it back and forth and talked about how her fingers moved through it. It was like she had never seen a virtual object, much less known how to interact with it. We sort of talked about this in philosophical terms, dreamily. Lil June pitied her, saying she wondered what we wouldn't know about the world when we were that old, what the kids would be laughing at us about. I talked about how my ma told me when she got her first phone or whatever and played a game on it that her parents didn't really understand. The ball bounced, our tab speakers going bounce, bounce, bounce. So then we decided to run some experiments. First days were just recon, figuring out when exactly we could expect her to come by. Once we figured that out, we started trying some things. The hologram tennis ball again. Then a hologram dog running away from her. Mickey shouted at her, Please, that's my dog. It just got out. Try to get it. And she stumbled after it as fast as she could before stabilizing hard against the left wall. Several days went by like this and we determined firmly and confidently that she did not understand what the world was anymore, how it worked, what its rules were. And then it was just like easy, like an easy game to play. First, we figured out that by going from the balcony in Little June's pod to the balcony next to it, in some rando's home, they were never there, so no chance of being caught. We had an angle where we could use our tabs to project directly up to her balcony. So we whipped up a window-sized panel of thunderstorm, put it in view, and then laughed when we watched her leave the building later that day with an umbrella on a very sunny day. It was super harmless. It was so fucking stupid, so... But her routine was totally thrown her world was totally messed with. We were content playing with the weather for a few days. We did sunny days when it was actually raining, windy when it was totally still. We had a fun one where we made it seem shockingly snowy and she stumbled out the door bundled up like it was midwinter. What's amazing is she never questioned the view from her window, because given what she knew, why would she? She just suddenly believed the world's weather was intensely volatile so much so that she eventually started carrying three changes of clothes with her whenever she left the building, in preparation for whatever conditions came zooming toward her. A raincoat, snow boots, a summery tank, all stuffed into this ugly gray tote. Lil June was the one who suggested we step it up a notch. It involved hopping across a few balconies in the courtyard and climbing up a short wall, but we were eventually able to leave one of my shittier older tabs outside a windowsill looking into her kitchen. Soon, hologram cockroaches poured out of her sink as she did dishes. Later, we watched on the feed as she dropped a lovely piece of china, shattering it before running out of the room. When she returned, she was relieved that the bugs had scattered. I sort of am amazed, even though I was there, that she wasn't able to tell the difference. But it's like she hadn't learned any of the signs to distinguish virtual or literal. The .8-second flickers meant nothing to her, probably registered as a blink. She never thought to tilt her head back and forth to quickly shift perspective and register dimensionality. And I guess her senses were already sort of unreliable. She couldn't remember which way the upstairs were, after all. That it didn't occur to her that she actually physically couldn't touch the bugs because there weren't any there. She just forgot that she had never made contact. 
or like her brain filled in some blanks that the normal human would recognize as a glitch that meant virtuality. I actually started to feel bad about it all, but I wasn't a rat, but I still wanted to try to do something. So one day when little June and Mickey were doing something else, I think their dad had let them go outside or something, to the park, and my mom wasn't awake to let me go. Anyway, I went up to her pod that day and knocked on the door, and when she let me in, I took out a tab, put it on the ground, and called up another image, but of myself. I just stood there silently, while another version of me silently stood beside me, flickering 0.8 seconds at a time. Me and myself replicated in virtuality. I turned it off. I turned it back on. I turned it off. I turned it back on. I took her right hand and held it up against my cheek. I remember how cold her hand felt on my nervous, warm skin. Then I took that hand and put it up against the hologram's cheek. It curved as if a cheek was there, but then I applied pressure on it and it passed through. I let her hand go and watched it swing softly to her side. I stood there, silently, next to myself, my real self not flickering at all. It felt, like, seriously, like an eternity. And then she just said, you remind me of my children, or you look like my children did, her eyes darting between the two of us, and a soft tear forming in the corner of her left eye. Then she brought out two glasses of milk and asked us if we could stay. I turned and ran. I left the tab. It probably stayed there, not drinking milk, until the battery died. I don't know what she thought of it, but my attempt to show her the real world had clearly failed. It didn't feel fun the next day when little June said she had a plan for something even bigger. I was really worried now that maybe we were going too far, but I really, really didn't know how to stop it. We broke in when she was out one day, and we put some nanotabs in every corner of the house. Mickey was really artful at this stuff, so he designed the holograms we put over her entire pod, transforming it, making it look like someone else's. Her red couch made green. Her wooden floors turned to tile. Her empty cabinets filled with some imagined stranger's goods. When she came back in, she screamed. She ran back into the hall. She tried the pod next door, finding it locked. She went to the pod on the other side and found it locked. She remembered to breathe. She settled herself and decided that she knew where she was. She walked back into her pod to find it restored and normal. We could hear her on our comms that night, crying herself to sleep. This happened five times over the next six days. Once she called the cops. Little June laughed nervously as they passed us in the hall. She laughed with pride when she heard them complaining about the nutty old woman as they walked by us again on their way out. But still, even Mickey admitted we were maybe pushing our luck and that we should lay low with it for a little while. So we did. But the summer kept getting hotter and it kept not ending. And against our better judgment, we decided to pull one more off. Lil' June was the mastermind, of course. I had cracked by then and told her about visiting the woman that day, and Lil' June became fascinated with finding out what kid she was referring to. It was a simple matter of hacking into any app she left open on that ancient pad she carried with her everywhere. So, simply a reflector pad placed in the hall when she was walking by, and then some very basic coding. We then had access to all of her records, including some old photographs we found of, uh, Luke and Michael who were 14 when, well, you know, you've also seen the reports by now, I'm sure. They weren't great photos, and there weren't that many, so we had to make some assumptions in trying to render them three-dimensional. When it was done, though, they looked kind of like real people, and they looked a lot like those boys in her photographs from 50 years ago. 
Animating them was trickier, and it took us a couple of days to teach them how to walk up the stairs and knock on a door. Another day to just get them to say the first few words. The remaining words were going to have to be improvised through a live-patched voice changer with Mickey on the other end. But we were counting on her getting swept up in the moment and not focusing on the details. Of course, it never got that far. We never got to the improvised section, as you know. On the day of it, it was actually raining in the morning. I remember hoping it would pass by three because my ma had said I could maybe go to the park later. We waited patiently for her in the hallway, and when she passed, we nodded hello as we had done so many times before. When she turned the corner, we activated the tabs, and the images of her sons appeared. They walked down the hall. They turned the corner. We followed them as they walked up the stairs three flights and down the three other halls between my pod and her pod. We watched from around the corner as they knocked on her door. We were too scared to watch. I closed my eyes and heard, Hi, Mom. It's been a long time. And then I heard a scream and a run and a shattering of glass, which I now know was her throwing herself out of the window, which I know now was because of the image of her son's dead forty years that we created to taunt her. The thunderstorm had passed by then, so it was sunny when she fell those twenty floors. My mom took my tab away, and I don't think she was surprised when you all came for us. She said not to say anything to you, but I know I shouldn't lie, so I wanted to tell you how it started. Not as a defense, but just as a way to explain that we didn't understand how someone could not tell the difference between a real tennis ball and floating digital particles. It's a matter of understanding what life is and what world we live it in. We really never believed she wasn't pretending or humoring us until it was too late. We were so fascinated with how she saw the world as different from the world that we saw raised around us. Besides, the loads we learned doing it all about our tabs was way more than we would have in school. So there's that. I know none of that is a real defense, and neither is me just saying kids will be kids like my ma shouted at you as you dragged me away. But I still hope you don't keep me here for too long, because I'm expecting to get to go to the park all day next week for my birthday. I'm turning seven. It's also supposed to be a sunny day then, and Mickey and Lil June said they'd come. They're designing a virtual carousel for us to ride on. Sam French is a writer and director located in Brooklyn. Originally from Florida, he is a recent graduate of Carnegie Mellon University. His plays have been produced in Pittsburgh, Florida, Martha's Vineyard, and New York. His short story, A Love Letter to the Boys of Summer, won the Adamson Award for Fiction at CMU. Sam was named a top 20 artist under 25 in the Tampa area by Creative Loafing magazine and has two one-acts published by Baker's Plays. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or visit us at our webpage, brickmoonfiction.com.